Luke chapter 12, beginning at verse 15. Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be for anyone who stores up for things for them, himself, but does, is not rich towards God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, you will have spotted certain inconsistencies between the story I told the kids earlier, um, but we'll come to those. Um, I wonder what you think the moral of this story is. Of course, you've had a little bit of a sense of what I think it is from the way I told it a little bit earlier. Um, but if we come to it uh, unplanned and just completely fresh, I suspect that we sort of see this as being about being rich. You know, it's a, it's a story about you shouldn't be rich. And that's exactly not what the story's, in fact, about. It's not don't be rich. It's don't worry. Which is not the most intuitive thing, and it's only when you explore it within the context that you discover that that's the, the bigger point that Jesus is making. But, of course, he does link our worry to our wealth. And he says uh, that uh, just at the end of our reading... It's as if he's saying that if you want to be free from anxiety in your life, the place you need to begin is with the way you think about your wealth. Craig, would you be able to turn me down ever so slightly? I'm just ringing a little bit. Thanks. Um, and, and dare I say, in this context of the ancient Near East, this would have been a, uh, a more immediate issue than it is for us. Um, there, if your crops failed... Um, and your neighbor's crops also failed because they're dealing with the same weather, then what, what happens? You know, there's no welfare state. There's no Sainsbury's down the road. There's no Ivy Bridge food bank. You know? So it's, it's actually, there's a hand-to-mouth element of life that we just don't know. Of course, we have an extraordinary level of security. It is so easy for us to fill our lives with a sense of security. If all of your money disappeared tomorrow, you lost your job, your house, your everything... You would, you would lose um, a lot of pride. You would lose a lot of comfort. Uh, there'd be all sorts of things that you would lose. But in this country, you would not lose your life. And that, under, that just undergirds our sense of security. And I, and I wonder if part of, or a big part of the way we have been so fearful around Brexit comes down to this idea that actually we are so reliant in our minds on our wealth and the stability of the country uh, for our security. Um, this is a story about not doing that, not being anxious. 
Um, and of course, I gave it a little bit of a different spin. I interpreted it a little bit heavily as we did it with the kids. Um, hopefully, that'll all come clear. And I gave it a slightly different ending, most importantly. Uh, and so far as I didn't kill the guy off, I thought this story has enough questions for you to answer on your way home with the kids. Without, uh, but, but I think the, the big point remains the same. Um, I think theologically, the significance of him getting killed off is that Jesus lands it with this idea that if you choose to just look after yourself, ultimately God will let you. Um, but actually, I think that Jesus is doing more than that in, in this moment of killing off the guy at the end of the story. Partly, Jesus is a storyteller, and he knows that the real impact of his story is in the shock. Okay, so he's going to create the shock to make his listeners really think hard about what the story means. Beyond that, he sets up this guy as the very picture of security for, these, for, for, the, for the sort of um, smallhold farmers that he would have been talking to. This man was the very picture of security, and Jesus squishes him, because that's the only way to get through to this, these folk, um, the true reality of his lack of security. And actually, beyond that, he's not just an image of security. He's an image of God's blessing. In a huge number of cultures of, of that world, the assumption was, if you were wealthy um, and uh, life was full of luxury, that was a reflection of God's blessing. That was something to be craved, to be sought after. And Jesus says, no, that's not it. Again, he squishes their idea of what God's blessing looks like. Because, of course, the minute our sense of God's blessing is tied up in the earthly things of wealth and luxury and security, um, we've missed the whole point of being a child of God. So I wonder, for you um, this morning, what would be your image of, of the secure, blessed life? What's it that you're striving for in your more earthly moments? What's the life that you could imagine 10 years down the line that is just a picture of security? That's what we want to challenge this morning as we look at this story for a few minutes. I think that the farmer misunderstood two things about God. Um, and those are the two things that make us anxious in our lives and stop us from really uh, investing in him. Firstly, he misunderstood the character of God. And secondly, he misunderstood the meaning of life. So that's two fairly major things to miss. Um, and we're going to look at each of those in turn for a few minutes. Um, I'm aware that uh, those of you that heard me talking about the Lord's Prayer a couple of weeks ago, the way Luke positions this story, he positions it within a lot of the same material that Matthew positions the Lord's Prayer, if you see what I mean. So actually, it, it occupies a little bit of a similar space. Um, so I'm, if you want to hear what I said about the Lord's Prayer a couple of weeks ago, you'll find that quite complimentary, um, and I think that will be online now. Um, but apologies if I repeat a few ideas. So what is the character of God that, uh, that this foolish farmer missed? He missed that basic sense that God is a provider who loves and cares for us 
and we can fully trust his provision. Look uh, with me at a couple of examples that, uh, that Jesus gives in the surrounding verses. I'm a bird watcher, so I love the fact that in two places he refers to the birds as, as things that we can draw on for our sense of trust in God. Look at verse 6 of chapter 12. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. I suspect the reason that I have a beard and Gareth has a beard is because we needed to give God something to count. Um, then look again at verse 26, 24, sorry, just after our story. Consider the ravens, he says. They don't sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? You could say uh, that the sparrows represent uh, the, the insignificance, that they're the most insignificant of birds. Um, and the ravens represent filthy birds that hang around on rubbish dumps. Um, and, and in these two birds, Jesus says, you know, do you, do you consider yourself insignificant? You're not insignificant to God. He values you. Do you consider yourself unclean? And he says, that doesn't stop God loving you and caring for you. There's nothing you can do to stop God loving you. So in both of these birds, you get this sense of we have a God who cares for us and wants good things for us and does not forget us. Do you think of yourself more as a sparrow uh, who's insignificant or a raven who's dirty somehow? Know that God loves and cares for you. The idea that, that there is a mistrust of God actually sits at the very, very foundation of the dislocation of our relationship with God. If you, if you look at the story in Genesis 3, which is when our relationship with God gets destroyed, uh, what you see there is it begins with a fundamental mistrust in the goodness of God. And that therefore somehow I need to do stuff to make my life work. And that internalizes more and more into a selfishness and a self-drivenness. So this is actually right at the core of what it means to be sinful. To fail to recognize 